Friends, if you have been with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we are in a sermon series that is called Be. Um, And over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to remind you um, of the ways in which God is at work in the world, that Christ is at work in the world. In the Christian calendar, we're in a season known as Kingdom Tide. And during Kingdom Tide, which leads all the way up to Advent, which will be kind of the season before Christmas, the scriptures remind us of God's mighty deeds, um, Jesus' miracles, but also to the beautiful practices of our faith. And so this morning, like last Sunday, as Laura reminded us to remember our baptisms, what we are going to be is be reminded of God's mighty acts in our lives and God's mighty acts in this world. So that we might celebrate what God has done, we might celebrate what God is doing, we can celebrate what we believe God will do. Now, this morning, I'm going to employ a different way of reading scripture than I normally do. Um, there is a practice called Lectio Divina, which is, uh, means, quite literally, uh, sacred or divine readings. And typically with Lectio Divina, the person who is reading the scripture would read the scripture slowly and leave some space for a word or a phrase or an image to kind of come to you. So that instead of you kind of like trying to like latch onto something, you kind of let a word bump into you. And from that place, you, you believe that God might be speaking through that particular word, phrase, or image. Now, I'm not going to do Lectio Divina in all of its fullness and that we don't have as much time for me to read the passage multiple times. But I am going to take a seated position and I'm going to invite you, if you are able to maybe hear and marinate on the word better with your eyes closed or even maybe kneeling, please feel free to take on the posture that will allow these words to bump into you and to chase after you. Or it might be easiest for you to read along with me, but to um, hear the cadence of voice and to allow the words um, to, to wash over you this morning. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Psalm 42, and I'll read it in its entirety. And again, I invite you to close your eyes if that feels comfortable, to kneel if that feels comfortable, or to place yourself in a posture where you might hear God's word. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. 
all your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I need to begin this sermon by giving a shout out to our summer ministerial intern, Laura Aubrey, because um, at our first meeting, we began to talk a little bit about what are some of the ways that she could share her gifts with this community. And one of the things that she said um, that she felt pretty strongly about was leading, centering Psalms and also Celtic prayers. And so on Tuesday mornings and on Thursday evenings, Laura holds space for us uh, typically leading us through the Psalms, using this practice of Lectio Divina to let uh, words of Scripture wash over us. And a few weeks ago, during um, our centering prayer and time of reading through the Psalms, Laura read Psalm 42, and it felt so appropriate for all that was going on in the world that week. So I need to give her a shout-out for the instincts of all, all the books of the Bible to lean into the Psalms, not Malachi, not Habakkuk, not Mark, but the Psalms. And I need to say this about the Psalms. As a whole, this book by far is probably the most relatable because it expands and speaks to the range of human emotion. Whenever you are reading the Psalms, almost always you are going to bump into the ways in which the psalmist, so whoever is singing or writing those particular words, what that particular person is feeling in that moment. And the psalmist isn't only happy, and the psalmist isn't only sad, and the psalmist isn't only complaining, and the psalmist isn't only cursing. From time to time, in one psalm alone, the psalmist might be feeling all of those particular things. And we know that on any given day, we can start one way and we can end one way, or in one second be feeling something, and in another second be feeling something else. So these psalms, sometimes psalms of gratitude, oh, give thanks to the Lord for God's steadfast love endures forever, might speak to the moments when we are feeling overjoyed and wanting to speak words of thanksgiving to the ways in which God has been at work in our lives. They're what are called imprecatory psalms or the cursing psalms. These are the psalms that say, let those be ashamed who would come after my life. Basically, if you don't know me, I mean, you know, it's one of those kind of psalms. Like, the, these folks who come after me, uh, these, these, these enemies of mine who want to come after my life, oh God, that you might smite them. And we sometimes have those days. 
There are these psalms of comfort. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Or last Sunday when we sang, my help comes from the Lord and not from the mountains. Our help comes from the Lord. This God who will keep our hands upon us so that not even our foot would slip or that we would fall. There are a multitude of emotions that are wrapped up in the Psalms, which make them so relatable. And this is the beautiful thing about all of these emotions and feelings that are oftentimes reflected and displayed in the Psalms, is that it's not just feelings that swirl about, but that there's this understanding that as the psalmist is offering up complaint or cursing or, or, or lamenting or offering gratitude, that God understands what the psalmist is feeling. That the psalmist can be so, so honest. The psalmist can say, have you forgotten me, God? Or the psalmist can say, God, I feel like I'm in a pit and all of my enemies are flourishing. Not because the psalmist is just speaking words, but because the psalmist actually believes that God understands where these emotions are coming from. Which is so important for us to, 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 to lean into. Because there have been times in our lives when we offer up sometimes emotions that may not make sense to other individuals. Like when individuals come to me, they, they know that they have lots of money or possessions in regard to like, you know, the, the physical things that we have but can still be feeling so miserable. You want to know that you can speak those words to someone who will understand. Or that you might be in a season of lack compared to what the world might say is plenty and be living your best life and you want to share that with someone who can actually understand or, or, or that you might have everything that a person might ever want and still feel empty but when you share those words you want to share those words with someone who might actually understand that God will understand in Psalm 42, sometimes it is considered to be a psalm of lament. Sometimes it's considered to be a psalm of complaint because the psalmist has so many range of emotions in just a few verses. As a deer pants for streams of water, God, that's how I'm thirsting after you. My soul thirsts for you or aches for you, God, for the living God. Like, I need to know that you are here with me. God, my soul is disquieted within me. There are people all around me who, when they look at what is happening in my life, they ask me, so where is your God? The psalmist is going through some things. But what's so interesting is that by the end of this particular passage, we end with the word of hope. <laughs> Hope in God, for I shall again praise God, my help and my God. And you kind of wonder, okay, now, psalmist, are you feeling hopeful? Or psalmist, are you feeling disquieted? Psalmist, are you, are you feeling like God is with you? Or psalmist, do you feel like God has forgotten you? Psalmist, do you think that people are with you? Or do you think that people are against you? It is so disarming that the psalmist ends with a word of hope because here's what's also really interesting about Psalm 42 is that there's no major declaration of how God swoops in. 
There's, there's no mighty shift that says, and then I know that God will move the mountains or that God came and moved the mountain or I cried out and then God did or I said the things and then God moved or I cried the, the tears and then God wiped. <laughs> there's not that shift, but there is a beautiful shift that reminds us of how we can remember what God is up to even when we don't think that God is up to anything at all. In the midst of all of these feelings that the psalmist is feeling and the emotions that the psalmist is reflecting, in verse 4 and in verse 6 of this passage, there is this disarming and beautiful and powerful shift. The psalmist says, while people are asking, where is your God? The psalmist then says, I will remember how it is that I led the procession singing songs of praise and thanksgiving while people are asking me, where is your God? <laughs> These things I'm going to remember. How it is that there was a time when I was in the front of the parade <laughs> leading a procession, giving thanks and praise for God. While people are asking me, can your God show up in your life? I'm going to remember that time that I knew that God showed up in my life. <laughs> when people are saying, I don't think that God is for you, I'm going to tell you a time when God was marching with me. These things I will remember how I led the procession. Not what I was in the procession, I led the procession. I was the one who says, come on y'all, this God is good. In verse 4, the psalmist has this shift where the psalmist says, these things I'm going to recall in the midst of a moment when I feel downtrodden and despairing and hopeless. And then in verse 6, when the psalmist says, my soul is disquieted within me, it's not anybody else who's actually taunting God. It's the, the very psalmist who's like, my soul is heavy and weary. I'm watching the news. <laughs> I'm seeing the statistics. I'm feeling the thing in my own body. Therefore, I'm going to remember everything that God has done from the land of Jordan to Hermon to Mount Mazar. Basically, in this moment when the psalmist is feeling overwhelmed in heaviness and hopeless, the psalmist says, I'm going to remember all the mighty deeds of God from Jordan to Hermon to Mount Mazar. Like all of the ways in which God has been at work in the world, all of the ways in which God has shown God's faithfulness, that's what I'm going to recall. Eugene Peterson uses this particular uh, term um, in the Psalms that make these particular shifts around remembrance. Eugene Peterson says it's remembering God's goodness or rehearsing God's goodness. In the message version of Psalm 42 and verse 6, it says this, that when I was in the dumps, I will rehearse everything I know of God. When I'm watching the news, I will rehearse everything I know of God. When I'm in the midst of a fight with a loved one, I'm going to rehearse everything I know of a reconciling God. When I'm feeling sick in my body, I'm going to remember everything I know about a God who heals and comforts me. 
When I'm feeling hopeless, I'm going to remember everything about a God who one time gave me hope. When I'm feeling restless, I'm going to remember everything about a God who brought me peace. When I'm in the dumps, I will rehearse everything I know of God. I'm going to be reminded of the goodness of God. I'm going to rehearse God's goodness. This is not just the gift for the psalmist. This is a gift for us. Remembrance is not an act of toxic positivity. It's not a means of dismissing what you are going through or what you are feeling. Instead, it is saying that while I am in a desperate situation, I'm also going to yoke myself to the thing that I know God has done so that I might believe in the present that God is still doing, that I might trust that tomorrow God will do. It's not to say, oh, goodness, no, 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 no. You know, oh, God is good all the time. God, you know, and you're like crying and sobbing and wondering how you're going to pay your bills. No, it's to simply say, but there was a time that I did not think I could pay my bills. And at the 24th hour, someone showed up for me. There was a song that we used to sing in my home church when I was growing up. If God did it for me, God can do it again. <laughs> if God past tense did it for me, God present tense can do it again. Remembrance is a gift that God gives God's people. Let's not forget that every single Sunday we do this in remembrance of Christ. The word remembrance in the Old Testament in particular is not about a mental exercise or musing. It is a recalling that literally begins to believe that you are bringing back or you're going to fetch like the power of God and bring it into the present moment. So in particular, when the Israelites, got, who are known as like God's people as they're journeying through the wilderness, whenever they begin to forget or, or, or because crisis begins to cause them to have amnesia, which we all know this, when we are in crisis situations, all of a sudden we begin to forget. Panic looks like I cannot remember how God one time showed up, or how my friends or family member showed up, or, or, or how even I might have shown up for myself. When we're in stressful situations, all of a sudden, our remembrance goes away, and we might become forgetful about the good. And so when the Israelites are journeying through the wilderness, and they're ever in a desperate situation, they're always called to remember when they're hungry, remember how the Lord your God provided manna. When they are thirsty, remember how the Lord your God provided water from the rock. When they were bound, remember how the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt. You are in a desperate situation right now, but remember how the Lord your God. Remember all of the things, rehearse all of the things that you know of God. If there was ever a time for us to rehearse the goodness of God, if there was ever a time to remember God, 
this might be the season. This might be the season. This might be the season. For you to take on the words of the psalmist. For you to have your own verse 4 and verse 6. Maybe no one has to come around you and say, where is your God? Maybe you're like, God, where are you? <laughs> that you have to quiet yourself and say, God, I, I remember how it was when Parkland. God, I remember Pulse Nightclub. God, I remember. And we might just need to begin to, uh, God, somehow, some way you kept it. I'm not saying that, oh, we just gloss over the pain and the hurt and the despair and the loss and the death. But that we also yoke ourselves to the ways in which God might have shown up, whether with a whisper or a mighty roar, reminding us that God does not fail and that God is with us. That we might remember what God has done for you, and that we might remember what God has done for us so that we can trust that God is doing and that God will continue to do. What is a promise of God you need to remember? What is a way that God has shown up for you? And sometimes the way God shows up for us is actually through other people or through a peace that, you know, we feel within us that we might not be able to explain to others. I don't want you to ever discount those things. God doesn't always have to come like a, like a dove, you know, on Glenwood Avenue for you to be like, oh, yes, I had an encounter with God. Sometimes it's just that that, that knowing in the middle of the night that you're going to be okay. When for five nights you didn't think you were going to be okay. What is a promise of God you need to hold on to? Right now, I, I need to hold on to a, to a God who is able to change the hearts of those who are hard-hearted. <laughs> That's my verse four, that's my verse six. Therefore, I will remember how there are some who laid down their swords and they became plowshares. So I'm going to read Psalm 42 again. I'm going to invite you to get still. And this morning, your pastor is not asking you a hypothetical question or rhetorical comment by asking, what is the promise of God or what do you need to remember? I want you to cling with all of your life to whatever it is that might remind you to remember God. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? 
My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, God's song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Gracious God, we, your people at the Southeast Raleigh table, can confess that this has been a season where our souls have been disquieted within us. This has been a season when we have wondered, God, where are you? This has been a season when we have walked mournfully in the presence of those that they don't oppress us, they oppress others. But these things we will remember, how you are a way maker, how you are light in darkness, how you are faithful, how you will never fail, how you will never leave us or forsake us, that your love will never end. So God, between our disquieted hearts and our ability to hope, may the space between those realities look like us a people who rehearse everything we know of you. These things, oh God, we pray in the strong name of our God, who is good always. Amen.